Are you looking for new, creative ways to help you get your head straight? It's not your fault when you're struggling to relax or confidence is holding you back. You just haven't learned the best tools to deal with your situation. Open Forwards helps you break the vicious cycles that are making you unhappy. Head on over to www.openforwards.com and check out our online courses, expert guides, free articles and specialist psychotherapy to help you work, love, play and feel better. That's www.openforwards.com Episode number 23 of Self Help Satnav. I'm Jim Lucas, and in this show, we explore self help tools that have been shown to have an effective impact on your life. And today, we're looking at the most effective method known to humankind that helps in reducing anxiety. Now, I'm going to share something with you, and that is that I have anxiety. Now, it may not meet the criteria for an anxiety disorder, but that's not the point. It really isn't the point. Anxiety isn't a sign of being abnormal. It's not a mistake in nature. And it's not a deviation from normality, which is what abnormality means. Anxiety is normal. It's inevitable. Some people say they don't get anxious, and I just don't get that. I don't think they're deliberately lying. I just can't see how anyone can go through their entire life without ever feeling anxious. It's like going through life and never needing to go to the toilet. Unless you're dead, it's going to be something you'll need to make time for. Now, anxiety can be a big problem for many people, and it doesn't affect people the same. It affects people differently. Some people struggle with panic. Others suffer with intrusive thoughts about hurting people or being harmed themselves. Sometimes people are hounded by memories of past events. Other times it's the overwhelming emotions, feeling tearful a lot, heightened alertness. You can feel like you can't turn off what you're feeling. Your mind and your body can get stuck in overdrive. And I can see that for many people that I've helped over the years, this has been happening when they've reached a point of burnout or traumatisation from a frightening event. You've probably heard on the news many, many times that one in four of us will experience anxiety or low mood. Personally, I think that is nonsense. It's all of us. It's one in one, it's not one in four. No one is immune. And that's no depressing thing either. Actually, I think it's a relief. I think it's refreshing. We don't have to worry about being in that 25%. We are all in the same boat. We are all people capable of suffering and also capable of wonderful and amazing things. 
In this episode, I'm going to share with you the most effective method we have for reducing anxiety. No, it's not lorazepam, and it's not a shot of whiskey either. Drugs and booze can help. I'm not stupid. In fact, they have a very immediate effect often. They can get rid of the nerves, the tension, very quickly. But the problem is the effects don't last. Your body breaks it down. And then you're likely to want it again to cope. And then you can get reliant on it. And then you can build up a tolerance, which means you'll need more of it to get the effects that you're looking for. And when you get to that stage, you'll struggle to come off of it because of the withdrawals. And this is true for antidepressants as well. So yes, chemicals can help, but they lack the effectiveness in the long term and they're likely to make it worse in the long term as well. So an effective method needs to work in the long run as well. Relaxation exercises, diaphragmatic breathing, and mindfulness meditation have wonderful benefits. They can work quickly and have no adverse effects. Well, not like drugs anyway. Unfortunately, however, just doing these type of exercises is unlikely to help you recover fully or shape out a life that's less burdened by anxieties. And the reason is that the focus is about slowing things down. Now, don't get me wrong, I fully advocate the practice of mindful awareness skills. If I didn't, it'd be a bit like me saying, it's okay for you to get in a car and drive it and never apply the brakes. Slowing down and stopping unnecessary skills. But they too can stop working after a while. So what's happening here? Well, it's to do with the intentions behind these methods. Drug taking and relaxation or mindfulness meditation can be used in a way that backfires. They're easily used with the aim of getting rid of anxiety. And when you do that, you will inevitably get to the point where you feel more anxious again. And of course, that's because you can't get rid of anxiety. It's like going to the toilet. If you're alive, you're going to need to make time for it. So what is then the most effective method known today to reduce anxiety? Well, some of you may have guessed this already. It is exposure and fear exposure. So in the rest of this episode, I'm going to talk about what fear exposure is. I'm going to talk about why it is that it helps. I'm going to talk about some of the benefits of it. And I'm going to give you a rundown on what I see as the eight steps of successful fear exposure. So that's what we've got in store today. We're going to get into fear exposure. So what is this? How do we define what fear exposure is? Well, it's about targeting what you avoid doing due to the anxieties that you have. For example, it could be going somewhere by yourself. It could be going to a crowded place. It could be allowing yourself to have intrusive thoughts 
about harming other people or about being harmed. It might be allowing yourself to have intrusive thoughts about having an illness or something being wrong with you. And it might be allowing yourself to have memories of past events that were frightening or terrifying in nature. So how you target those things is that you, yeah, you go to that place that you've been avoiding, where you imagine the thought that you've been trying not to have, or you recreate physical sensations in the body, like a racing heart, dizziness, chest pain. You recreate those physical sensations because avoiding them is what has led to this problem in the first place. If you struggle with anxiety, it's because of two things. It's because of stuff that you've experienced. You might have experienced some difficult events in your life, whether they go back to childhood. You may have had adverse childhood experiences of violence, instability, being abandoned through death or someone just leaving, too many changes or not feeling looked after well enough. These experiences can lead to heightened anxieties as an adult. But why you might struggle with anxiety is also to do with how you've learned to cope. And anxiety problems are often born out of trying to cope with uh, your feelings in a particular way. And that is through trying not to have them, trying not to think about them, trying to push them away putting them in a box and so what you can get when you do that is an anxiety problem that at times or for a lot of the time can rule your life so the benefits here of doing fear exposure is that you get to tackle the fear head on rather than not tackling it and when you do that you learn how to cope with fear more effectively and at the same time you train yourself to be less governed by it and governance is the issue here governance is what the problem the anxiety ends up ruling you it says things like you need to get rid of these thoughts you need to get rid of these physical sensations you must do all you can to make sure you don't act out your intrusions in any way so for example if you're a parent worried about harming one of your children make the point of being worried about harming your children rather than wanting to harm your children not having the desire to hurt your children but being anxious about the thought of doing it this is when that's happening this is an intrusion an intrusive thought and what can go on what can keep you stuck with these intrusions is believing that you must do everything within your power within your capability to make sure that no harm comes to them and so you can take on extra precautions. You can avoid being around them, for example. So the anxiety can say things like, it's too much of a risk not to protect yourself. It can say things like, you won't cope. You're not strong enough. It might say, you're not just jeopardising the anxiety. You'll be jeopardising your health, your children, your marriage, your work, 
your sanity. Now you may notice something about the way I'm talking about this. You may notice that I'm saying the word you instead of I. And actually, I is often what happens, isn't it, when we're anxious. We say, I can't cope, or I won't cope. We say, I need to get rid of this anxiety first. So why am I saying you here instead of saying I? And that is deliberate. I'm saying you can say you because when you do that, when you say you, it shifts your perspective. You start to put some space between you and the anxious thoughts that you're having. You can look at them from a different starting point, different vantage point. It gives you enough space to be able to notice them and to begin to see your mind as part of you, not all of you. And when you can do that, it helps. In fact, you can use that during your exposure exercises because it stops you from focusing, or losing focus on the task rather. It helps you to stay in contact with the fears and to keep going. It helps you to learn. So that's a big benefit here, is that when you're tackling your fears, when you're getting into them, it enables you to learn. Exposure lets you learn from your fears. When you avoid something, you deny yourself the opportunity to learn something new. It's impossible to learn anything new. All you can learn is what your mind anticipates. And your mind can teach you all sorts of pointless, unhelpful assumptions about things. About what might happen if you go a certain place, or what might happen if you do a certain thing. Without the direct experience, you become a servant to your worries, your fears, the expectations. Without direct experience, your mind will invent realities, invent possibilities and likelihoods. Direct experience lets you discover things for real. Now, my own experiences have taught me that what I fear happening in some situations is often different from what actually does happen. For example, I used to struggle a lot in my early 20s with anxiety when travelling on trains and buses. I'd often feel sick in my stomach. I'd get this horrible discomfort sensation in my belly. And it would make me anxious. I'd get anxious about being sick, throwing up. And I'd work really hard to try and relax. I'd try and do this deep breathing. I'd try and do this, distract myself from it. And I sort of, I sort of did this weird sort of thing in my stomach where I was almost like trying to, trying to get rid of the sensation by tensing my stomach, by I don't know, almost trying to just get rid of it out of my body. But none of this stuff worked. None of it made me feel more relaxed. In fact, it always made me feel worse. It got me more focused on the worry of being sick. And so I'd spend the whole journey feeling really uncomfortable and then being worried about taking another journey next time. Exposure, fear exposure, gave me direct experience. Not experience just being on the train and the bus, because I was doing that anyway, but 
exposure to the fear, exposure to the thought of being sick, exposure to the anxiety and the frustrations that went with that, and exposure to the sensations in my stomach. So what I was doing when I was doing that fear exposure was making space for those sensations, making space for those thoughts, and practicing watching them, noticing them, observing them, rather than trying to get rid of them. And this is what I do in my professional role as well. I help people who are struggling with their own anxiety problems. I help them recover or get past them by targeting their fears. I've helped them do fear exposure to thoughts of hurting their children, thoughts of losing control, thoughts of bad things happening, thoughts of not knowing what will happen. We've done fear exposure to sensations in the body, dizziness, tight chest, tight throat, and fear exposure to memories of past traumatic events. And it's challenging work. It's challenging work for them, and it's challenging work for me. We both feel uncomfortable and more anxious when we're doing this work. They've got their fears going on in them, and I've got my fears going on in me. And therapists can have anxiety about doing work with their clients. Yeah, you may be surprised to hear that, but yeah, we get anxious as well. In fact, anxiety about doing exposure work is really common. It's quite common, unfortunately, for people to have CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, for an anxiety problem and not do exposure work. It's, it is unfortunate because it's essential to a person's recovery. It's the most effective method that we have. So when I'm with my clients, we're both making space for the discomfort. That's part of the process And it's a necessary way to be. Otherwise, they and I adopt unhelpful precautions to deal with our our own discomfort and anxieties. We adopt subtle ways, behaviours, that are attempts to push away or fix our own discomfort. They might be things like reassuring ourselves, thinking positively about things, sitting down if we feel wobbly on our feet, We might be doing deep breathing to kind of bring down any anxiety. We might be trying to distract ourselves from it. Worrying a lot about doing it. What if when I do it, this happens? Putting it off. Talking too much. And we call these things safety behaviours. They're safety behaviours because they give the illusion of increased safety. But in reality, they make you and me no less unsafe. Plus, you don't get to learn new things from the exposure that you're doing. You only learn to keep trying to escape it or dampen it down. Okay, so we talked about what exposure is. It's about targeting the things that you are avoiding doing because of the anxiety. We talked about why that's helpful. Because it helps you learn new things and it helps you make fear something that you don't have to be rule-governed by. You don't have to let it rule your life. So how do how do you do exposure? How do you, 
how do you do it? So I'm going to take you through eight simple, simplish steps. And I say simplish because I'm going to describe them simply in a way that they're easily understood. But in reality, they can be tricky to do. So it does help to have help, i.e. maybe working with a therapist, or to have someone that supports you through it, someone that can be kind, warm, gentle in the way that they support you, but also helping you be brave as well, helping you take those persistent steps about getting outside your comfort zone. So the first step in fear exposure is identifying what to target. So what is it that you avoid? Is it is it racing heart? Is it sensation in the chest, tight, tight chest pain? Is it an intrusive thought about hurting somebody or harming somebody or you having a particular illness? Is it a thought about a sexuality? Is it a thought sometimes people get worried about being gay and so they might obsess about that and seek a lot of reassurance to get rid of that thought. What is it that you're trying to avoid? This is what's key here. And so that's what we're trying to identify in step one. The thought, the feeling or the physical sensation or the combination of those things that you're trying to avoid. The second step is deciding what it is you're going to do to do some exposure to that. So, do you need to go somewhere? Do you need to put yourself in a certain environment? Do you need to get on a train or a bus, for example? Do you need to put yourself in a crowded environment? Is going somewhere the thing that you need to do to really target what it is that you're trying to avoid? Or is it about bringing into mind a certain image, a certain thought. Now, if the thoughts are about harming somebody, for often, a lot of people, what that's a thought that's really about is about losing control. That's why it's an anxiety-provoking thought, because people feel that by having the thought, they're more likely to act out that harming type behaviour. So in a sense, what would be useful doing is focusing on imagining losing control and harming them. Um, that's kind of what's it's going to be more useful in this case. So it could be imagining something like that. It could be going over a past memory of something. And that's what we typically do in trauma-related work. So some of these steps, I appreciate, do sound quite big, quite scary, doing them on your own. But you might find that you're ready to do this on your own. You might find that you're ready to give this a go and seek some support from a friend or a family member or a mentor of some kind. But if not, that's okay. This is challenging work, and so you can do this work with a therapist. And actually, if you're in therapy and you're not getting into this work yet and you feel it's time that you should, then you can use some of this. You can take this to your therapist and say, can we start to do some of this now? I think it's, I'm going to get a lot of benefit out of this. I know it's going to be scary, but 
I want to get somewhere and this is what's going to like me get me there. So we look to step one is identifying what your target. Step two is identifying, deciding what it is that you're going to do. Step three, a helpful step three, is to identify what you predict is going to happen by doing this fear exposure. So what do you worry will happen if you allow yourself to have that thought, to be in that place, to have that memory and not try to get rid of it? What is it that you predict? And make a record of that. Now step four is about monitoring your distress levels. Now, what we're saying here is monitoring your distress levels, not your anxiety levels. They're not entirely the same thing. Because you can go into a situation and feel quite anxious, but not necessarily be that distressed. Or you might feel really distressed, but it's not because you're feeling anxious, it's because you're feeling other things. And what's useful here is to measure how distressed you feel. We're not looking to eliminate your anxiety, but we are trying to use your distress levels as a guide. It's something to pay attention to. It's not the most important thing to pay attention to. Why we want you to pay attention to it is that we want for you to be able to number your distress level. So you can see how high it gets. So for example, 1 to 10, 10 being the most distressed you've ever felt. And then you want to be able to do the exposure for long enough that your distress level comes down by half. If you're doing it for less time than that, then you're not really giving yourself enough time to learn from it, to give yourself some new learning, some new experience. If you stop doing the exposure before your distress level is halved, then really what you're most likely to be doing is repeating that avoidance, repeating that trying to fix it, get away from it, get rid of it. And when you do that, you're just reinforcing that that's the sort of thing you need to do when you're feeling anxious or you're feeling scared. So it's important to do it for long enough. So that's why we're monitoring the distress level. It's a bit like when you're driving a car that the things that you'd pay attention to most are going to be other traffic on the road, your speed, your steering. Your distress level is a bit like your how much petrol you got in the car. You're going to need to look at it every now and then, but it's not the most important thing you need to pay attention to when doing fear exposure. Okay, so that's step number four. Step number five is clarifying your reason for doing it, your purpose. Why subject yourself to all of this anxiety? Well, it's not just to reduce it in the long run. It's about why you want to have less anxiety. What do you consider the anxiety to be stopping you from being able to do right now? So for example, if it's getting on a train or getting on a bus, why do you want to get on a train or a bus? Is it because you just want the freedom and the independence to move about? And if it's that, then that is the answer to this question in step five. Clarifying your reasoning or your purpose, your value in wanting to do this exposure exercise. 
And that really helps because when you're there feeling uncomfortable, feeling anxious, wanting not to be there anymore, wanting to push it away or get rid of it, you can remind yourself that actually I am here for some bigger purpose. And it helps you to stand tall. It helps you to find the courage to continue with it. Because you say I'm here for something more important. And if it's if it's to do with harms, uh, thoughts of in harming your children, for example, then maybe what's really important to you is to connect and care for your children. And that you're there doing that fear exposure for that purpose. So that's what we're looking at here, is looking at underneath why you want to have less anxiety. What is it that is getting in the way of you doing that is really at the center and at the core of what you believe in, what you truly want to do with your life in the different roles that you fulfill. And this can be really powerful, really helpful. And that's why we're doing this exposure as well, is to help you live your life more purposefully, consistently, day by day with what you want to do. So that's step five. Step six is to notice what actually does happen. So in step three, I asked you to write down what it is that you predict would happen in this exposure exercise. Step six here is to notice what does happen. Is it the same as what you predicted? Or is it different? So by turning your attention to this, you're also exploring what it is that you can learn. What can you learn through this? And when you do that, when you notice what you're learning through direct experience, you're adding that into your memory of things. You're adding that into your experience of things. So it's really useful because if you don't turn your attention to what you're learning, then you don't give yourself the opportunity to learn something new, to add something new into your memory bank. That's what we're, that's a really important and useful thing to be able to do here. Step seven is identifying whether you need to do this exposure exercise again. So you've done it, you've stayed in it for long enough for your distress level to half, you've practiced being an observer of it, you've practiced making space for the fear, you've noticed what it is that does happen to give yourself a chance to learn something new and now we need to know whether you need to do it again because what we want you to train is a series of new habits here and doing it once on its own is unlikely to fix this problem it's about can I have this fear again and resist the urge to get rid of it resist the urge to reassure myself act out a compulsion to remove myself from a situation to distract myself from it to push it away if it worries you to do it again then that's an indication that doing it again will be helpful but you may be asking yourself this question at the point that you've already done it five times and by that point you might be thinking well actually 
I don't think it would worry that much me that much to do it again. I think I think I've got to the point where I'm no longer so distressed by it. And so that then is an, is an indication that you can move on and probably move on to something else, move on to something a bit harder. And so you want to keep this daily fear exposure going. So that's something else I'm saying here is not just identifying whether you need to do it again, but also helping you do it again the next day. So fear exposure needs to be done regularly, needs to be done often enough for you to make progress with it. It doesn't help to just do it once and then not do it again for another couple of weeks or another week or so. Progress is going to be slow, if anything. It needs to be done regularly. Okay, so that's step number seven. Step number eight, the final step in this eight-step series of doing fear exposure, is to decide whether you're going to do it in the same way or in the same place, or to do it somewhere different. Because what can really help is that you vary the context. So, for example, if it's crowded places you're wanting to avoid, that you take you take you take yourself to a crowded place in the supermarket, and then you take yourself to a crowded place in town, or you put yourself in a crowded place on a bus or on a train, varying the context, varying the environmental aspects of it. And when you do that, you train yourself to be less afraid of the fear. It's called generalizing that, um, yes, and, and, and so the theory of generalizing is that this can happen on its own once you've done enough exposure in the same context, but actually you'll make this generalizing happen much more quickly if you vary the context yourself intentionally. And you can, as well as varying the context, you can also vary the duration. So for example, you don't have to stay in a situation white-knuckling it. You can do it for less time the next time. Because what we're trying to teach you here is, is, is not to get rid of your distress, but to be more flexible when the distress shows up. That you can keep yourself close to an intrusion, or you can be in a situation that's uncomfortable. But that you don't have to stay there. It's not your obligation. Remember earlier I was saying the problem with anxiety is not having anxiety, but it's about being governed by it. And so what we're trying to teach here is not the process, the skill of not being so governed by your own rules about things, but to be flexible. I can do this here now, or I can do something else tomorrow. And so not white luckening it is about not saying to yourself, I have to be here until my distress levels have come down by half. You can, on the second, third or fourth occasion, for example, not be there so long. You can decide to be there for a shorter amount of time. And that's okay, that's fine. It's about teaching yourself to be different, to be able to do different things. I hope that's come across clear. Just giving you a sense here. So if you're going to do it shorter, but not as long, you also need to do it for longer as well. So 
my my tip is here is to start off with letting you being in it long enough where your distress level halves and then let's say the second or the third time you don't have to do it that long but then the next time after that do it for long enough that your distress level halves so talking about here about varying context the environmental aspects and varying the duration as well and both of these things can be really useful in you succeeding with your own fear exposure so that wraps it up for this episode we've looked at the most effective method known today in 2018 unequivocally for reducing anxiety in the long run we've compared it with some other things we've looked at what it is why it helps and what it is that you can do in eight steps to get past your own anxieties for it to burden you less for you to do your own fear exposure one thing i'm offering is a worksheet that you can download so just pull in your email address down at the bottom of the page on this website just go to www.openforwards.com forward slash podcast series self-help satnav or just click on the podcast on the menu page and go to episode number 23 is there's a downloadable worksheet that you can use on a daily basis to help you do your fear exposure to help you write it down and make sure that you're paying attention to the necessary and useful things just fill in your email address confirm your email when you get that email back and then you'll get to download that worksheet and use it for yourself thank you so much for joining me today and sticking with me and listening to me talk about this i hope that you have found it useful and i will see you again soon do get in touch if you need to i'm at openforwards.com take care see you again next month